Hazy Podcast is brought to you by EK the DJ and Michael Reed. Join them each season as they discuss the adventures contained in various audiobooks. This season, they'll be providing reactionary commentary on the So I Got Hazed audiobook by Michael Reed. Chapter 25, Payback. December 9th, Day 4, Hell Week. Pledge Paybacks. My pledge brothers and I looked for trash that didn't exist outside. Since we were good schmegs, we had cleaned it already. In the absence of anything to do, we hid near the back door outside and plotted. So, as a recap, we were at LT's house, and we had just come from JJ's house, and we were trying to think of what we wanted to do, and there wasn't anything to clean, so we're kind of dog-fucking it outside. Just, like, killing time. You betcha. Being the fourth day of Hell Week, we decided we wanted to get a little payback. The fourth day of Hell Week is when the brothers had told us we needed to use pledge paybacks, because that's when we'd be the most tired. Sending our pledge class outside was probably LT's worst decision of the semester. By giving us fresh air and a chance to talk to one another without being heard, he gave us the opportunity to plan and decide it was time for pledge paybacks. We walked back inside and blocked the only entrance to the living room. By this time, Lachlan had gone to bed, and LT was all alone. LT was drinking his beer and barely acknowledged us. Without looking at us, he said, Did you finish cleaning outside already? I can find something else for you to clean, unless you want some spoonfuls of mayo. LT hadn't even moved his head from watching TV at that point. When we didn't respond, and he finally looked at us, we smiled at him evilly. LT knew what we were about to say, and a look of sheer terror came over his face. He turned to a pale white, and then John, Tony, and I screamed in unison, Pledge paybacks! LT ran for his life to his room and tried to close his door, but Noel steamrolled right through it. Imagine a muscle-bound Kool-Aid man bursting through a door at full speed. There was no stopping a vengeful John. Tony and I followed right behind them. When we all got inside LT's room, we pinned him down, and John said, Pledge paybacks, LT. Oh, it's time to get hazed like a man. All right, all right, you got me. So, LT got hit twice in that year. Because you got him too? Because we got him too, and it was his last year. That was probably special to him. It was like, it was his senior year. Yes. It kind of sucks that he had talked about Mayo so many times. Because that's the focal point of the next two minutes. The only thing we did to him with our pledge paybacks was, and I think I sent you the videos. <laughs> uh, we had we had all the seniors uh, drinking hot forties. Yeah, that you know what? Honestly, because we were so tired, and because he had been up all night, this isn't the best haze. This is this is like the worst. Yours is way better. Here's the deal, bro. We'll go easy on you, but you can't tell any of the other brothers we used our pledge paybacks today, John offered. Yeah, no, LT said. Well, then this is gonna suck. Where's your fucking mayo? John asked. We had never been on that side of hazing before, so it was an unfamiliar shift in our power dynamic. We had great hazing ideas, but pledging wasn't over yet. 
Whatever we chose to do could be met with an equal or greater retaliation later in the week. We had to tread lightly and not go too crazy. Open up, you Momo! John screamed as he shoved mayo into LT's face from a gallon-sized mayonnaise jar. I dropped the ideas of diplomacy and went with it. He must have been watching Casino or Goodfellas because that's the only other time I've ever heard that word used. Momo? Yes. So, if that's offensive to anybody, I'm sorry, but in the context of the story, that's the word that he called him. I mean, is it even... Is Momo even... Like a slur? Is it? Am I gonna come back and edit this? I I mean, the thing is, we don't even know what it means. That's like a steamed dumpling filled with meat or vegetables. Oh, what's its slang? Oh, Momo, Momos are used. Nope, India, north northeast Indians used on those that imply they are used on those that imply they are Chinese foreigners. What? Oh, I didn't see that one. Okay, well, I'm sure that he meant the other slang that meant uh, a moron. That seems more fitting. Am I going to have to come back and edit all this out? (laughs) No. I mean, look, we have no idea what the word even really truly means, so. All right. Well, just know that it wasn't any sort of, like, derogatory thing it was just calling him an idiot so on to the next one (laughs) after a few spoons of mayo i grabbed the jar and spoon from john as i bombed spoonful after spoonful of mayo into lt's mouth i sang a spoonful of mayo helps the asshole go down the asshole go down the asshole go down when i got to feed lt mayonnaise it was probably one of the happiest and guiltiest moments i had as a pledge Revenge had never tasted sweeter, but we started to feel guilty about hazing him. He was our postulant educator, after all, and week after week he had given us aid and advice. We were also tired and wanted to sleep more than we wanted revenge at that point. Although he had fed me mayo a few days earlier that made me very sick, LT had never really hazed me a whole lot. He had been like an older brother, or dad-like figure to me, during the semester, He made sure that we were all mentally okay throughout the pledge process as well. He had tried his best to protect us when Hazen got out of hand or crossed the line. We fed LT Mayo until he got tired and fell asleep on the sofa. In retrospect, bro, we should have just waited until we were around the biggest possible group of brothers and then called it and then all of us just shoot for the closest person like catching rabbits. Yeah. That would have been a that would have been a good idea. Um, but we did the same thing you did, except for we targeted the brother that was like the worst to us. Um, and man, uh, he took it like a champ. Um, uh, Patrick O'Connor. <laughs> of course. He 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 was rough on us and uh when we got him <laughs> we we zip tied his hands and legs threw him in the back of my truck <laughs> just drove drove around like like just taking hard turns so he like he was fl- flipping around the back of the, in the bed of the truck and uh yeah it was uh we we got him good uh dog food 
ice bath, the the whole the whole nine. Which is crazy when you think about it, because it's like, is it really an equal haze? I guess if they got you for a whole semester, but you know how I mean, like in one shot, it's a lot. Like it, doing it is, more it, than an ice bath in one shot is a lot. Yeah, but at the same time, like I feel like our session with him. And and with all of our brothers, wasn't as long as the sessions that we had throughout the semester. That's true. Like we were, we were, we'd be in the basement for an hour or two. Like we had these guys for fifteen minutes, and we and then we we're ready to move on to the next haze. But it's also usually one or two guys by themselves, maybe three if you're lucky. Right. So it's right. It's hard too. to catch a crew unless there's a party. Yeah. Exactly. He fell into a little cocaine and mayo-induced coma. He had been up all night drinking and blowing lines. Since we had force-fed him mayo, we figured he'd suffered through enough of our revenge for us to call things even. We went out on the porch and talked about what we wanted to do next. If we didn't start hazing brothers right away, we were sure that LT or Lachlan would tell the other brothers that we had used our pledge paybacks. If word got out, we would most likely miss our opportunity to surprise brothers and be able to force them into hazing. We'd heard stories that previous pledge classes had gotten hot girls to ring brothers' doorbells, and when they answered their doors, the pledges would grab them. We wouldn't have to use this tactic, because all the brothers left their doors unlocked. Any brothers that decided to lock their doors and hid inside all lived in shitty old Radford houses that could be broken into a hundred different ways. After some deliberation, we decided we'd go back to the dorms and sleep for a while. When we woke up, we would take our weed to whatever brother's house we wanted. We'd smoke and drink, or do whatever the fuck we wanted to do without having repercussions. Who were the brothers to tell us what we were going to do with our one magical day? Pledge paybacks would be our only chance to haze the brothers, unless we held pledges during their paybacks in years to come. Choosing between either hazing brothers or sleeping was a tough decision to make. At that point in pledging, sleep was far more important to us. We head back to campus and talked about the final days of pledging being upon us. When we got to the campus, Tony told us he'd catch up with us later. John and I walked into our dorm, feeling like champions. We were only temporarily free, but to us, we were completely free. When we got upstairs, John wanted to smoke weed, but I told him I wanted to take a shower first. We both showered, and I fell asleep from exhaustion. I'm sitting on two strikes plus, 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 and he's like, let's go smoke weed in the dorms. I'm like, sure, let me take a shower first. That sounds like a phenomenal idea. I, you son of a bitch, I'm in. You son of a bitch. John woke me up a few hours later and told me he had smoked weed a bunch already. He wanted to chill and watch Family Guy with me. We sat in his room and watched TV for a bit, talking to people that walked by his open door. I finally felt relaxed, enjoying the comfy shoes that I had hardly worn all semester. Our original plan was to go to the brothers' houses to smoke weed, but we decided we didn't want to share any of our precious weed. We stayed in John's room watching Family Guy and laughing our asses off. Every time an episode ended, we would go over to my dorm room and take massive bong hits with knocks on the roof. We'd completely forgotten about Tony, and we were getting angry. We went downstairs and got food from the Muse cafeteria. John filled two containers with food. He filled one container full of breadsticks and french fries and filled the other with hamburgers. 
we went back upstairs with our smorgasbord of food. It was mid-afternoon, and we were certain that word had gotten out that we were using our pledge paybacks. None of the brothers had called us yet, which supported our idea that they knew it was pledge paybacks. That's when Tony came knocking, and told us that Doug had called him to come over and clean his house. Nobody had told Doug that we used pledge paybacks. We assumed it probably had something to do with him always saying, Fuck Sig H. Tony being the secret agent he was, just went along with it, and told Doug he'd be right over. We were hesitant at first, because we hadn't been able to relax all week, and John and I didn't feel like hazing right away. After some convincing from Tony, we head over to Doug's house to commence the second round of hazing for the day. Even though James was sick, we got him and brought him with us. He had to do pledge paybacks with us, because that was the agreement. We couldn't leave James out of the best event in our entire pledging experience. We felt horrible for him, because he wouldn't get the same hell week as us. The four of us were back together again, and we walked to Doug's house for a little payback. When we walked into Doug's house, we wasted no time in telling him it was pledge paybacks. He raced like a linebacker to his bedroom to hide from us. We told him that no matter what, we weren't going anywhere, and eventually he'd have to go to the bathroom or leave his room. Doug told us he wouldn't need to come out to use the bathroom because he had a poop bucket in his room. He said he did have a class to go to, and he finally came out of his room on his own. When he came out, we said we were going to haze him with every condiment in his own fridge. He didn't have any food or drinks, but he did have a shit ton of condiments in his fridge and cabinets. I passed them all to James and Tony. John and I looked in Doug's room to see if he was lying about having a bucket in there. It turned out that he did have a white bucket in his room that was filled with shit and piss. It was one of the most ghetto-ass things I had seen in Radford up to that point. Way more ghetto than Mitch not having hot water. Doug, what the literal fuck is wrong with you? I asked. Our toilet's clogged, bro, Doug replied. Call a fucking plumber, dude, I said. It's too expensive, I'm just gonna leave it. We walked Doug into his living room and started feeding him condiments. Doug tried to spit out condiments we gave him, but John was quick to call him out. We didn't think to check any of their expiration dates because it wasn't our food. After Doug had swallowed a lot of different types of sauces, he ran outside and puked all over his lawn. Doug popped a few times, and we thought he must have eaten a big meal earlier in the day. At least he wouldn't need to use his poop bucket for a while, that sick fuck. After he was done puking, we continued feeding him more condiments until there weren't any left. Doug started to beg us to let him go to class. We eventually stopped feeding him because we didn't have a choice. Imagine somebody saying, please let me go to class. You know they're desperate. How miserable do you have to be to, to beg to go to class? And you know, you know that motherfucker didn't go to class. He probably got of course, almost he went all the way somewhere. and he's like, fuck, I can't do this right now. I reek of vomit and every spice. Everything. I smell like ass. I smell like fish sauce. Man. The guy had to go to class, and we were out of mayo, pickle juice, cinnamon, mustard, clam juice, tartar sauce, hot sauce, and vegetable oil. We'd satisfied our need to make Doug puke, and we told him he was free to go. He went back into his house to change his shirt, use his sink, use his poop bucket, and then he left for class. We decided that Chippy and Eric would be our next targets. The sun was starting to go down when we walked over to their house. Oh, yeah, bitch. Sun's getting real low, big guy. Sun's getting real low. 
You're going to haze a guy in a wheelchair? I'm going to haze a guy in a wheelchair. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pretty sure he had crutches at this point. Um, don't let him fool you. He was First of all, on crutches and Percocets. He before didn't I know what was going ever, on. Before I ever got to the crutches, I was on a walker. You you hazed the guy on a walker. Okay, you know what? That's that's a middle ground. I'll take middle ground. So neither was he on crutches nor a wheelchair. He was on a walker, medium ground. We realized we'd used a large portion of our day sleeping and getting high. When we got to their house, Eric was the only one that was there. Eric looked so disappointed when he saw us. We asked him where Chippy was. So disappointed. I just didn't think he would come for me. They would never good come. To you. They would never come for me. And the part is, is that you looked so disappointed when we came in because you're all by yourself and you're crippled and you can't go anywhere. There was no defending myself. I couldn't. That's what I'm saying. I was still in the wheelchair at this point. And he said Chippy had been in class all day. Eric told us LT called a lot of fraternity brothers to tell them we had used pledge paybacks. We were a little shocked that LT squealed. Eric That's right. You know what? We didn't even want you. We wanted Chippy. And we were trying to find out where he was through you, but like we thought he would be at the house. But he wasn't because he was hiding out. But we had to use you for information, which you gave us, but ultimately it didn't help us get Chippy. Alexi over got so away. Quick. Yes. <laughs> Sang like a canary, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sold out the whole team. <laughs> Asked us what we expected LT to do, and told us that loyalty between brothers trumps all. Since Eric was crippled, as John put it, with his femur still healing, making him do anything physical was off the table. It was such a bullshit turn of events, and it was turning into the worst pledge paybacks ever. I felt bad. Because Eric didn't haze me as bad as the other brothers had, such as Chippy. We told Eric we wanted him to Pac-Man, so John took away his crutch and pushed him down onto the carpet. It felt like After a scene I from crutch. the beginning of a crime movie. That was a crutch. <laughs> Alright, fine. Movie ...where a guy owes the mob money, and they've already broken one of his legs. Okay, but do you see how bad I felt at the time? I'm like, oh my god, this isn't a scene I want to be part of. I feel like this guy owes us money. He already broke his leg, now let's make him eat dog food. <laughs> at the time, it felt somewhat uncomfortable. But looking back, they all had it coming to them. John started hazing Eric by making him Pac-Man food off the carpet. Eric shouted, You aren't going to haze me with my own food. John laughed. Yeah, we are. Are you going to eat this fucking dog treat? Imagine complaining that you aren't going to haze me with my own <laughs> dog treats, you dogless man. You didn't even have a dog. Don't you worry about what I snack on when I... <laughs> but, but imagine that being the excuse. I love it. <laughs> You're going to haze, haze me with my own stuff that was... Those actually were, were Chippy's uh, <laughs> treats for you guys. So it's so like I was I was being I punished with his uh <laughs> You know what that's good though cuz it sets the layer that much further away from <laughs> all of your stuff. Right now or later. Eric pled. 
No, seriously, guys. We don't have a lot of food. Please don't do this. John didn't care, and frankly, neither did the rest of us. We shouted at Eric to keep eating the pet treats off his carpet. With his broken leg, Eric laid on the carpet, and John pretty much just threw dog treats at his face. The treats landed close enough to Eric that he didn't have to move around much. While John was busy keeping Eric... <laughs> you were like a beach whale. You were like... One of those dolphins in a net, dude. I'm sorry. You're, yeah, this is the episode I wish we had video. I'm just thinking back on this. Like, I don't, I must have been doped up because I don't remember <laughs> much of this awful. at all. This is awful. I am a terrible person. Really, though, it was Knowles because I couldn't bring myself to really haze you that bad. He probably got it the worst of your of your pledge class. He probably of of everybody. He probably got it the worst from me. From you, yes. But overall, there's one person that absolutely got it worse than anybody else, and it's this guy, J John. <laughs> no, me. Who got hazed worse? Oh, than you? Me? No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, what as as far as like your group, your pledge class, mm -hmm. the only one of you that I was really hard on was John. Oh yeah. Because everybody else was easy on him because he was the golden child. And I think that was why. I think that was why I was hard on John. <laughs> You're Me like, fuck this. Meathead. <laughs> oh, I love him. Eric occupied. Tony rummaged through the cabinets and fridge looking for something vile. He brought over the jug of vinegar that we'd indulged in during the semester. When Tony presented the vinegar, the real protest began. Eric shouted, Dudes, seriously, you can't use my vinegar. I used that to cook with. Eric didn't want to be hazed, but we didn't care. That's when I said in a country accent, Listen here, big bro. You can either let us haze you with this here vinegar, or Big Knowles is going to pin you here while Tony Roadrunner steals every vinegar container from all the tables in Muse or Dalton. Then he'll come back, and you'll drink them all. What's it going to be? Eric mumbled and James yelled at him. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Can you pull that tampon out of your mouth? This is like everybody pick on the guy that's disabled by himself moment. I'm in tears right now. One, because it's hysterical. And two, because it's so awful. Uh, it's a good kind of awful, though. Also, what the fuck are you going to cook with vinegar? I was just, I think I was just lying. I think I was just trying <laughs> to save my skin. It was smart. It was smart. It, apparently it was noteworthy. I don't, I don't think I've ever cooked with vinegar. Yeah, I was just thinking the only thing you can really cook are fries, right? And you I've, add it afterwards. I've, I've cleaned with vinegar and like, and I don't put vinegar on fries. I put malt vinegar on fries. It's the same. Yeah, I can't think of anything you'd cook with vinegar. I'm sure I could Google it, but I don't want to cheat. We all laughed, and Eric said, Do whatever you want to do. This isn't cool. I hardly hazed you guys. Flashbacks of Nib Night and all the other things Eric did to us that semester flooded my mind. I grabbed the jug of vinegar from Tony and poured Eric three shots. Eric took two shots and said he couldn't take any more. He whined that he never made me take that many shots of vinegar, which wasn't true. I reasoned with him and told him we could take a shot together. He agreed and took his third vinegar shot. At that point, it didn't even phase me. I tonied you.
Yeah, way to go, tough guy. <laughs> what a bully. Pick on the little guy with no feet. Yeah. What, a, what a piece of shit. What an utter piece of shit. <laughs> I only took the shot with him to show him what a bitch he was for whining about vinegar shots. After the vinegar shots, we were pretty much done hazing Eric. He agreed to tell us what time Chippy would be home if we got him high. It only took two bong hits for Eric to sing like a canary. He told us that Chippy would be home at 9 p.m. It was just after 7 p.m. when we asked him. This meant we had an ample amount of time to plan, and we wouldn't have to wait around for too long. Over the next hour, we crafted the perfect plan. Tony was going to hide across the street by Calamander's car and watch for Chippy. When Chippy got home, Tony was to race to the apartment stairs behind him and make sure he didn't escape. John was going to hide in the closet beside the front door of the apartment. He'd spring out once Chippy had walked inside. James was going to hide in Chippy's room, and I'd hide in the corner of the kitchen just out of sight. We took the bulbs out of the living room lights like we'd seen in The Godfather. That way, when Chippy walked in, his chance of seeing us would be even lower. We told Eric if he blew it for us in any way that we would haze him even more. We pushed Eric into his bedroom and gave him some more weed to keep his mouth shut. When Chippy walked in, the three of us that were waiting inside the apartment would spring on him. If he tried to escape, Tony would be waiting outside to stop him. It was the perfect plan on paper. What could go wrong? Tony took a position in front of Anders' house, and we could only see him duck down beside the car, because we knew he was there. To any unsuspecting passerby, Tony was a shadow in the night. When we heard Chippy driving Eric's old pickup truck down the street, James, John, and I readied our positions. We heard Chippy jumping up the stairs two at a time to get to his apartment door. He even jingled the keys as he came in. You know that scene in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, when he jingles his keys so all of the animals hide? It was almost like that. It was almost like he was saying, Eric, if you're in there and the pledges are in there, get ready to let me know. But how he gleefully hopped up two stairs at a time is the most memorable part of his entrance. Give me, give, give me the signal is what he was looking for. Yep. And here we go. When Chippy opened his apartment door, the first thing that he said was, Why is it so dark in here? He tried flicking the light switch a few times and then called for Eric. When Eric didn't answer, Chippy said, Schmags? Quietly. He slowly walked through the apartment holding his book bag and left his apartment door open. Imagine being so paranoid <laughs> that when you come in and you turn on your light switch and it doesn't work, you're like, Roommate? Are you there, roommate? And then the next instant thing you say are, Pledges? <laughs> Pledges, is that you? Let's work this out. I'm sure we can come to some sort of arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been funny if like, one of us lit a cigar in the darkness and was like, take a seat. <laughs> what, was scene? what was the scene from True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except I wouldn't want Chippy to come in and start stripping for me to try to steal some bug or plant a bug. When he walked by the kitchen, I saw his dark shadow across the floor. Knowing we had the advantage and Chippy was able to see Eric's door, I screamed, Now! We sprang into action. 
As we did, Eric screamed from his bedroom, Run, it's pledge paybacks! James came running out of Chippy's room. John popped out of the front closet. I ran out of the kitchen, and Tony readied himself outside of the apartment. What we were not prepared for was the velocity at which Chippy reacted. He turned into Neo from the Matrix for a few seconds. Chippy swung around and threw his book bag at me. The book bag hit me square in the face. I fell back into a wall outside his kitchen, causing a picture frame to fall to the floor and break. If this ever became a movie, this part would be like one of the pivotal scenes. And it, the would, action be playing, scene. it would be playing the Matrix music. I love it. So he immediately hit me right in the face. Like the, the backpack. When John sprung out of the closet, Chippy kicked it shut. The door slammed into John's head and stunned him. It threw off his momentum, forcing him to fall back into the closet. James grabbed on at Chippy's only free arm, and they started to fight. Somehow in their struggle, Chippy managed to grab a black folding chair, fold it, and hit James with it multiple times. When John finally managed to get himself out of the closet, Chippy repeatedly hit him with the folding chair too. This eliminated any of John's physical advantages. In what felt like slow motion, Chippy continued to fight for his life to avoid our hazing at any cost. He hit me in the stomach with the folding chair and took the breath out of me. Knowing it was his only chance to escape, Chippy ran out of the apartment and out of our sight. We heard a scuffle on the stairs because Tony was trying to stop him. Unfortunately, Tony was true to his nickname, Too Slow, and Chippy pushed past him. Chippy got into Eric's truck and drove away before we could even make it down the staircase. When Chippy sped away, Callum's house lights turned on. We decided he'd be next in line for some revenge hazing. When we snapped out of our slow motion, we were in complete awe that Chippy had escaped. We broke out laughing together in pain. Knowles and I blamed Tony for letting him escape. We talked about how he went straight pro wrestling on us, and we weren't expecting any of it. We turned our attention back to Eric. With his broken femur, Eric would never be able to get away from us and certainly couldn't wrestle for his life like Chippy had. The four of us walked into Eric's room and scolded Eric for shouting at Chippy. John made Eric eat an onion as punishment. After he finished the onion, we told Eric to call Callum and invite him to come over. The moment Eric called Anders, we could hear him on the other end of the phone say, I'm not coming over. Eric hadn't even had the chance to talk. We told Eric to tell Anders everything was okay, but the jig was up. Anders knew it was pledge paybacks. He told Eric to turn on the living room lights to prove he was alone. We had Eric turn on the lights, and we stood behind him. Callum waved to us, and we waved back in unison. We saw him through his lit bedroom window, which was further illuminated by the street lamp outside his house. We sent James and Tony down to cover his house. James and Tony ran across the street to wait outside Anders' house. Tony covered the front door, and James covered the back door. I took the phone from Eric and said, Just come over, Callum. It'll be easier this way. I don't think it's a good idea. I'm trying to study. It was hysterical that these guys thought we cared about their class and study time. Knowles and I lit him up, saying we'd been hazed all semester with tests the next day, and it never mattered then. After some minor convincing, Anders came over willingly. He also said that he would help us find another brother to haze when we were done with him. James, Tony, he's coming out the front door. I screamed out Eric's window. When Anders walked out of his front door, 
James and Tony escorted him over to Eric's house. When he walked into the apartment with his two schmag escorts, the first thing Andrew said was, Okay guys, just remember that I didn't haze the shit out of you this semester. I made sure Anders could see my evil Grinch smile. It was the best impression to mimic the evil grin he had always given us when hazing or trying to embarrass us at parties. Since Callum surrendered himself willingly, we decided not to haze him as badly as we would have hazed Chippy. One of the biggest curses about being broke college kids and not being able to drive was that our ability to buy hazing products was severely hindered. The upside was that we were using the products we found in the brothers' houses to haze them with. It was a win-win, because not only was it insulting to them to be hazed with their own food, but it was free for us. We had Anders sit in the living room while we decided what to do with him. Another one of our problems was that we didn't have a whole lot of hazing ideas picked out. Getting our hands on any of the brothers was a treasure trove enough. Unfortunately, we lacked a treasure trove of hazing ideas. We started plundering through Eric and Chippy's cabinets again to start hazing Anders. Eric spazzed at us again and said, You're wasting all my stuff. The fact Anders was a brother was secondary to us. It was more his stupid and handsome face that we wanted to haze. He hadn't hazed us a lot through the semester. He was one Stupid, handsome Anders face. One of those brothers that would just watch the hazing out of pure enjoyment, but not participate a lot of the time. He had laughed and evilly grinned in the background of so many of our events. His face had been imprinted in all of our traumatic pledging memories. His evil smile had also become a tad bit creepy. We ran through vegetable oil, cat food, and condiments on Anders. He looked disgusted. It almost felt like we were hazing a Prissy Valley girl or a sorority girl. The Trikai girls were harder than him. Anders' face looked less smug when he had tears running down it. We grabbed the only thing left in Eric and Chippy's fridge, a jug of milk. A flashback of when Chippy had poured his curdled milk on me earlier in the week came into my mind. I wished that we had caught Chippy instead of Callum. As I walked over to Anders with a jug of milk, I sang, ba da ba 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 you're hatin' it. Eric cried, Dudes, don't use everything in my fridge. Since he was such a cheapskate, and we felt bad for the crippled poor bastard, we decided to end our hazing session. I said, You're lucky, Anders. We're gonna finish with milk. We told Anders it was his turn to call someone, or tell us where another brother was that we could capture. Without hesitation, he told us that Jordan Jacobs and the other brothers were at Jordan's house. We told him the same thing that we had told Eric earlier in the evening. If you call Jordan ahead of time, we are coming back to haze you again. We upped the ante this time with the threat of coming back. Anders was merciless and said, No, don't worry. They all deserve it. I didn't deserve it. You should go get them ten times worse. Anders nodded and laughed. John looked at Eric and said, same goes for you. We'll come back and get your wheelchair-bound ass with all of the hazing products. While the iron was hot, we struck. We sprinted over to Jordan's apartment. We set ourselves up in spots outside the apartment. We had full coverage of the windows, the patio, and the front door. When we knocked on the door, Barrera opened it up. When Trent saw us, his eyes lit up. He frantically tried to close the door as fast as possible but we shoved our feet and half of John's body in. We thought we'd have no problem getting through the door with the amount of strength we had combined. Jordan ran over and helped Trent try and close the door. Somehow their fear managed to help them close the door enough to eventually force John's limbs out. They got the door closed and were trapped inside. 
As soon as they pushed us out, we all commented on how impressive it was that they were able to get the door closed. It was the second time that night that the brothers had a surprisingly great defense. We spent the next 10 minutes prowling around their apartment so they couldn't escape. Out of frustration, we started screaming through their windows that they should just let us in. We told them it would be much easier if they did it that way, because they were wasting our time. We didn't want to waste any of the limited time we had left. We still had so much weed and sleep to indulge in. We took the same approach we had with Doug and promised the brothers trapped inside that we would make sure they couldn't leave for class or any parties that night. In retrospect, it was an amazing threat because nobody wanted to be trapped in their own house in a party town. Eventually, they unlocked the front door under the condition we let Barrera go to class and the rest of them would get hazed. We agreed, but we didn't know Jordan Jacobs was the only one left inside. Jordan was in for a shit show. We pulled the same crap we did at Eric and Chippy's house and started hazing Jordan Jacobs with his own products. We also found handcuffs in his kitchen drawer and handcuffed him to a chair so he couldn't escape. Sure, he could try and run away with the chair attached to him, but he wouldn't get far. We tortured poor Jordan Jacobs. I think we all felt bad about the situation because he hadn't done anything to us all semester. We had cleaned his house a few times, but Ron or Trent made us do that, and never Jordan. John, on the other hand, remembered Jordan sticking a spoon in his mouth earlier in the week and took the opportunity to remind Jordan of that as well. John fed him milk, vegetable oil, flour, cookies, donuts, and a Caesar salad. The entire time he threw up into his kitchen's trash can, Jordan was still handcuffed to a chair. The best part of that is that he ate the Caesar salad at the very end. Well, when you're hungry, you're hungry. Agreed. We told Jordan that if he wanted the hazing to stop, he had to call another brother over to the apartment. He called everyone, but only Patrick picked up. Patrick O'Connor said he was on the way to bake a cake with the sweethearts at their house, but he'd drop by. It was such an O'Connor thing to say, or be doing at 10 p.m. My pledge brothers stayed inside with Jordan, while I hid outside in their tiny trench of a patio. I hid in the dark for what felt like an hour, but was probably only five or ten minutes. While I was waiting in the darkness, I heard someone run up behind me. As I turned around, I got hit with what felt like a grocery bag full of newspapers. I fell on my butt, and a white cloud of smoke exploded around me. I had been antiqued, and what I thought was a grocery bag full of newspaper was a giant bag of flour. I was temporarily in shock before I realized Patrick O'Connor had thrown it. It was pledge paybacks, and I was going to kill him. Patrick O'Connor died laughing, and instantaneous bad luck fell upon him afterward. I sprung out of the basement trench and began chasing him down the street. I was only a few feet behind him when he tripped over a curb and flew across the street. He fell for what must have been an Olympic record because he landed halfway on the grass and halfway on the road on the other side of the street. I was bent over laughing so hard at him, I thought I was going to die. I could have easily caught him if I ran over to him and wrestled him down, but I couldn't. It was my turn to laugh, and I was belly laughing so hard that it hurt. Patrick laid on the ground nursing his wounds and was laughing in pain. He said I looked like Casper the Friendly Ghost because I was covered in flour, and I sprang back into action. Anybody that had watched that would have seen somebody covered in flour laughing at somebody that was covered in their own blood that had just tripped across curbs. 
Patrick saw me running towards him, and he took off running again. He ran four blocks until we reached Tyler Avenue, another main street. I continued giving chase down Tyler Avenue. I started to run by lots of students and people going out to dinner. I stopped chasing O'Connor at that point because I had a few realizations. I realized that not only was I covered in flour and chasing someone, but if I caught him, then what was I going to do? I would have to physically beat him up and drag him almost nine blocks back to Jordan Jacobs' house. All the scenarios wouldn't be good for me, so I decided to let him go. I jogged halfway back to Jordan's apartment and walked the rest of the way. When I got halfway up the street, I saw John Knowles. He screamed, Strikes! What the hell happened? When I got closer to him, a street lamp illuminated me, and he started laughing uncontrollably. He managed to muster the words, You got antiqued by O'Connor? <laughs> we have to get him back, I said, while dusting myself off. I walked into Jordan's apartment and uncuffed him from the chair. I went into the bathroom and used one of his towels to finish cleaning myself off. We decided to go to Patrick's house since it was so close to Jordan's apartment and was always unlocked. We bid Jordan adieu and left. We walked across the parking lot and let ourselves into Patrick's house. Hello, I screamed, and nobody answered. Perfect, I said, looking at my pledge brothers. We walked through the kitchen of Patrick's room. His bedroom door was locked, and there wasn't anything we could do. Let's piss on his laundry, John said. Tony pulled all the laundry out of a basket that was on top of a washer and dryer combo in the kitchen. John whipped out his dick, and I said, Wait, those are girls' clothes, don't do it. The clothes Tony had pulled out belonged to the sweethearts. Knowles had it already set in his mind he was going to piss on something, so he walked over to Patrick O'Connor's bedroom door and went wild. He pissed on the door forever and then said, Your turn, guys. James didn't hesitate at all. We walked up to the door and he pissed all over it. Luckily for Tony and I, James and John were kind enough to leave a spot to stand in so we could piss on the door as well. We took our turns and pissed all over Patrick's door, doorknob, and his kitchen floor. We left his house laughing and talking about how great pledge paybacks were. We decided we were going to see if Chippy was back at his apartment and walked over there. When we walked in, it was just Eric, and he pled, You guys are back? Come on! We aren't here to haze you. Where is Chippy? James asked. Eric explained that Chippy was with his girlfriend, the Squirter, on the dark side of town. He told us that she lived in an apartment complex and Chippy definitely wouldn't show his face until pledge paybacks were over. We had blown our only chance at getting him and he'd never come back knowing how much vengeance we had planned for him. We left after some bong hits, which we did share with Eric because we were nice. We walked over to Carl Kaiser and LT's house again, but Carl wasn't there either. He was hiding at his girlfriend's house, just like Chippy was. We walked to the fraternity house next. We wanted to haze Kyle, Zeke, and anyone else we could. Kyle wasn't there, and Zeke refused to answer his bedroom door. When Zeke had gone over the rules, he clearly said we weren't allowed to haze him, but we had to try. We pounded on his door for an hour, called him a pussy, told him he hazed us, and said we had fairly caught him. We even had Tony go out on the roof and stand outside Zeke's window. James said, Do you know how sick I am? It's bullshit that I'm giving my health for the fraternity, and you can't come out for some just-deserved hazing. We felt bad that James had been screwed out of a proper hell week. It offset the pledge process that we weren't going to get in at the same time as each other. Zeke finally cussed us out through his closed door. 
He told us that we would never get to haze him because he was never coming out of his bedroom. He said that if we wanted into the fraternity, we had to leave. We left the house, somewhat let down. We stood outside the fraternity house deciding what to do next. We talked about our long day and how great it was to almost be done with our journey. That day, and all the days before it, we had slowly become closer. The love I felt for these idiots was tremendous. I knew how they reacted to certain things, what their strengths and weaknesses were, and what kind of souls they had. The things I learned about them is something I would never be able to replicate with another set of friends. That's what the fraternity was about, and that's what they have been pushing us towards the entire time, a brotherhood. We all decided we needed a good night's sleep. I couldn't be out too late anyway, because I was supposed to meet with the Dean of Students the following afternoon. He wanted to meet with me regarding the sexual harassment issue. Our band of pledges parted ways until the next morning. John and I went to the dorm and decided to roll a fat joint. We sparked the joint at the bottom of the emergency stairwell behind Muse. It was such an amazing spot to smoke at night. Partway through our giggle session, someone screamed out their window. Who's ever smoking pot out there? You better stop, because I'll call the cops. In unison, John and I both screamed, Shut the fuck up. We put the joint out and ran back up to our dorm rooms to hide. Our pledge class slept hard that night. We knew that Hell Week was almost over, and we only had one or two more nights of pledging left. The goal had almost been achieved, and all the bad things were coming to an end. Well, all the bad things for now. Fitting, right? <laughs> Fitting that that's what I say after that. So, yeah, I know there wasn't a lot of commentary on my end for the last segment of this, but it was kind of self explanatory and there wasn't a lot a of very roller coaster. Out. Yeah, very roller coaster story. Yeah. Um, I like the parts about me. Of course you do. <laughs> but then the next day I have to meet with the Dean of Students about the sexual harassment yeah. thing. So it's like, God. Bittersweet. This shit don't end. So, Never. until next time, this was chapter 25. Next time we have chapter 26, and we're almost at the end. This is the end. This is the end. My only friend. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.